Well, if life has just been flying by, uh, you may want to know this is Memorial Day weekend, just in case. Um, Laura and I, we both come from families who, uh, who stepped up uh, when it came to serving our country when called upon. In fact, I was thinking about this. Our, our kids have grandparents that served in Korea and in Vietnam, and they have great-grandparents that served in World War I and World War II. I had brought something along here with me along those lines. This was the helmet uh, that my, their great-grandpa Tom, my grandpa Tom, wore in World War I. And it's a little surreal to, to hold this, thinking that 100 years ago, about 100 years ago, this was in France on the head of my grandpa. As he, or, yeah, my grandpa, as he was fighting um, against uh, the forces that be. And his job in the, um, in the military, he was a runner, they called it. And what that meant is that before the days of walkie-talkies and all that stuff, what they would do is they'd have these messages, and they would carry them by hand from one base to another. And they would send them in twos. Any guesses why they'd send them in twos? Yeah, because maybe one would make it. And about 100 years ago, my grandpa was wearing this helmet, and he saw his friend, one of the other runners, step on a landmine. And I would, I would venture to say if this was a group right now, a small group, and we just started to share, that many of you could share stories that, of things you saw with your own eyes or certainly someone in your family did. And Memorial Day is this striking, striking, vivid reminder that freedom isn't free. Freedom's not free. It comes at a great, great price. We live in a remarkable nation, absolutely remarkable nation. And people a lot of times don't stop and think how remarkable it is until you go back and you look at history. When you go back in history, civilizations, the ancient civilizations, even the most civilized of the civilizations, for in those nations, only the elite were free. Only they were. Here's a quote that I'm going to put on the screens. And kids, I want you to know this quote is not something I agree with. I don't agree with this quote. But what I, I want to show you, this is from the Greek philosopher Aristotle. So among this civilized civilization, here's, here's the thoughts of this Greek philosopher Aristotle. He says this, Nature would like us to distinguish between the bodies of freemen and slaves. It is clear, so he thinks, that some men are by nature free and others slaves. And for these latter Slavery is both expedient and right. So, so tell me again why Aristotle is venerated in public discourse, but you'd open the Bible, you know, ah, everybody panics. That's crazy to me because you, you think about the Bible. The Bible teaches every person, every person, not just the elite, not just men, not just the wealthy, Every person has inherent value, inherent worth, intrinsic worth, regardless of race, class, ability, or gender. That's what the Bible teaches. It was this Judeo-Christian worldview that forever changed the world. We see it in our own Declaration of Independence, don't we? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Has the Judeo-Christian worldview influenced our nation? Absolutely it has. In fact, does anyone know what our national motto is? What's our national motto? In God we trust. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, he signed that into law, 1956, and I don't think it's been repealed. 
it's a law. This is our national, this is our national uh, motto. And it began, it's a lot earlier than that. It began appearing in U.S. coins in 1864, and it can be traced even back even further than that. Anyone familiar with the Star-Spangled Banner, our national anthem? Uh, it uh, comes from a poem by a guy named Francis Scott Key, and I believe he wrote it around the year 1814. Now, the poem has at least four stanzas, and this comes from the fourth stanza. We don't sing this in our national anthem, but this comes from that poem. Here, this is from the poem, fourth stanza, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. It's there. I mean, it, 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 this influence was there. In fact, I was looking in my, um, my wallet, and I was so excited because I had money in it. I found a $10 bill in it. And I'm like, all right, fact check. Is it still on there? Yep. In God we trust. Now, we started last week, we started talking about money. And we try to do that about once a year where we just say, you know, money is something we all interact with. And there's a reason why the Bible says as much as it does about money. And so we're just going to spend two weeks this year, last week and this week, talking about money. And what I want us to focus on is this, in God we trust. If that's true for us, it, it, we, everyone knows it's not true for everyone in our country, but if an, as an individual Christian, if that's true for you, if you're saying, in God I trust, what does that look like when it comes to money? What does the scripture say about it? Last week, we talked about the first 10%. We talked about this thing called tithing. If you search the word tithing, or tithe, or tenth in the Bible, you find about a hundred references to it. And last week, we found that it's just the first step in the journey. It's the first step. With, with a tithing, you're just saying, all right, God, everything is yours. I'm going to trust you with my first and the best. Here we go. That was last week, the first 10%. What I want to look at this week, what about the next 90? What does the Bible say about that? If you're a note taker, I want to encourage you to take out your notes and, and write this down. What does financial reconciliation with God look like beyond the tithe? What does it look like, you know? And, and it's not as simple as you might think. In fact, I'm like, where am I going to go with this, God? You know, where, where do you want to take this? When it comes to giving, all right, what, is, what does the next 90 look like? Let's say you're already tithing and you feel impressed that you're supposed to give, sponsor a kid at Emmanuel Children's Home. Do you then go, okay, well, I need to cut, take that out of my tithe. Is that beyond the tithe? How does that work when it comes to giving? How about saving? Is there a right percentage to save? Is there a right dollar amount? Does it depend on your age and where you live? Can a person ever save too much? Can you ever cross a line somewhere from, I'm now not saving, I'm hoarding? Is that possible? So we talked about giving, saving. All right, spending. How do you spend in a God-honoring way? Should a Christian spend extra money on a designer label? Should a Christian drive a new car? What size house should a Christian live in? If you go out to eat to Outback, can you order the crab legs as an add-on? You know, can you do that with a good conscience? Or should you go out to eat at all? If Jesus was walking the planet today, would he spend money on a cell phone or an iPad or a computer? How many songs or apps would Jesus buy? You know, I'm praying through this message and I'm like, God, where do you want to take this? Where do you want to take this? And as best as I could discern it, I thought I, I had two words impressed upon me. One of them was freedom and the other was Galatians. Now, freedom, that was, I'm like, I can do that. Memorial Day weekend? Ha, there's a softball. Come on. And, but then Galatians was confusing me because the book of Galatians, I don't even think it mentions the word money in it. So this was a fun week. It really was. I want to show you as best I can what I believe God revealed to me about freedom and Galatians and Memorial Day and money and trusting God all in less than 30 minutes. Here we go. 
All right, if you have your Bible with you, let's open to that book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I want to let you know, too, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to give you one free today. We always keep a stack at that table and that table, and they're for you. We'd encourage you just to take one. It's a, it's a gift. Now, as we're turning to Galatians 5.1, I want to let you know if you're not familiar with this, this is actually, Galatians is a letter. It's a first century letter. And people who are skeptical about, skeptical about the Bible's authority the scholars still agree this is an ancient letter. It was written by a real person named Paul. There's almost no disagreement among scholars about that. There's also almost no disagreement on the date. This letter can be dated to about 48 AD. So this is a real letter from a real person to real people. Even the people who don't believe the Bible is God's word attest to that. So a real letter to real people about 48 AD. And it's written by a guy named Paul. And he, in this letter, talks a lot about freedom, a lot about freedom, because he had experienced this profound freedom, a freedom that was so profound that even when he was in jail, he thought of himself as free. How would you like to have that kind of freedom? All right, so here's what he says, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's what he writes. This was a huge deal, this idea of freedom. It's a major theme to Paul. It's a major theme in his letter to the Galatians. And then he begins to warn. As as you read this letter, he warns against two extremes. He spends most of his time on one, but he mentions the other in this letter. These two extremes. Both of these extremes, when it comes to money, can lead to slavery. Or anything in life, really, for that matter. And I've represented the two extremes in the back there with our bobs. The bobs are back, for better or worse. They hate, uh, my staff hates the bobs because it freaks them out when they're, when, they're, when they're in the office. All right, we got the two bobs. Now, we got two extremes. We got bling bob and Pharisee bob. Which one, kids, which one do you think is bling bob? If you had to guess, which one do you think is bling bob? The one with what around his neck? The big old dollar sign. That's bling bob. Bling bob even has a theme song. Some of you kids might recognize his theme song. If you recognize his theme song, put your hands up. Let's play it. Let's play it a little bit more. We've got one. I knew you would know it. Any other kids know this one? Because it's on my iPod. Come on. All right, here it is. Really? I thought this was good. Anyone see Muppets Most Wanted? Oh, no, I thought at least some of the kids would have seen this one. The song is called I'll Give You What You Want. That is Bling Bob's theme song. Bling Bob thinks you should spend your money on anything you want and anything you need, he, he, heed. If you want a satin pillow or a armadillo, if you want a diamond ring or a thingy thing, if you want a kangaroo or a cockatoo in Malibu, it's in the song. It's in the song. You go for it. But here's the deal. Bling Bob, he's, he wants to spend his money on anything that he thinks he wants. Kids, does Bling Bob look very happy? He doesn't look very happy to me. I don't think this is working out so well for him. So that's Bling Bob. That's Bling Bob. Now, we've got another Bob back there. That's Pharisee Bob. Pharisee Bob. Pharisee Bob also has a theme song. That last one worked so well. Don't ever use this one. See if you recognize this one. Some of you might know this one. Anyone recognize this song? All right. All right, there we go. There is, there is Pharisee, Bob's, Pharisee Bob's theme song. He is always stressed. He's trying to work for God 
which is a good thing. Is working for God a good thing? Yeah, it is. You know, in fact, we're going to spend five weeks talking about how do you honor God with your work. That's our next series. It's an important thing. But Bob is stressed because he thinks if I spend God's money the wrong way, I might not get into heaven. I got to get this right. I got to spend all God's money the right way. Does he look very happy? He doesn't look very happy either. So you've got two people living very differently when it comes to money. One is just spending money on anything he wants, anything he needs, he, he needs. And you've got the other one, he's trying so hard, so hard to do it all right that that too is becoming like slavery. Well, Paul's got a message for both of our Bobs. And this message is good news. Paul says, God wants to help you experience freedom. I want you to experience freedom. All right, so we, we were in Galatians. Let's go all the way back to the first chapter. Look at how Paul frames this letter. This is from Galatians chapter 1, starting with verse 3. So this is right there at the beginning of his book. It says this, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Those are the good words. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. He came to rescue us. This short sentence frames everything that follows. God wants to rescue us from this present evil age. He came to set us free. He came to set us free. And now as we begin to talk about freedom, continue to remember this. Memorial Day serves as a reminder to this. Freedom isn't free. When it comes to freedom, you've got to, you've got to have someone secure it for you, and you have to walk it out. You need both those things, don't you? You have to have someone secure your freedom, but then you have to walk in it. In the Revolutionary War, the American Revolution, some brave men and women secured our freedom for us. We have to walk in that. Do any of you still pay tribute to England? No, it would be silly. You don't have to do that. Our freedom was secured, right? In a similar but more substantive manner, the Son of God secured the freedom of all who choose to walk in it. Let me illustrate this too. Maybe this will be a little bit better than my lead balloon illustration that was earlier with those songs. Note to self. All right, let's, of course, this one I could get into trouble on though. So let's see if I can get it right. All right, so I've got these handcuffs up here if you're listening online and I'm putting them now on my wrist. The Bible says that sin is like slavery. Sin can be like slavery. You can become enslaved to these desires and these passions. All right, so imagine going through life like this. And I see this all the time. You guys see this all the time. People who are enslaved to things that they set out by choice to consume or to get involved in, all right? In slavery. Well, the good news is the Bible says you've been set free from the power of sin. So if we're set free from the power of sin, we can let, get these things off of us, right? But there's people who, even though you've been set free, there's people who are still walking in slavery and in bondage. And Paul's saying you don't have to do that. You can be set free. You can be set free from this sin. And here's what he writes in Galatians 2.20. This freedom's been secured. It's been secured. You've been set free. I've been crucified with Christ. He's now writing about his own experience here. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But now Christ is living in me. The life that I live in the body, I can live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. When we learn to walk by faith, we learn to walk in freedom. When we can put our faith, our trust, 
and who God is and what he's done and what he can still do, we begin to walk in freedom. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Blingers and Pharisees are not good news bringers. And and Paul writes about that. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Paul says this, hey, I'm astonished. Come on, you know the gospel. You know the real gospel. I'm astonished that you are turning so quickly to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. A different gospel isn't a gospel at all. So let's start with Pharisee Bob's gospel. What is, what is Pharisee? Can someone in the back shout out? What does Pharisee, Evan, why don't you go? What does Pharisee Bob's shirt say? Can you just shout that out? What does his t-shirt say? Work for God, the retirement benefits are great. Work for God, the retirement benefits are great. Now, again, I mentioned earlier, should we give God our best work? Yes, we're going to spend five weeks on that. What does God-honoring work look like? But you know what? That shirt could be a dangerous anthem that shirt can become a dangerous anthem. That mindset that I have to work for God to earn this eternal reward, boy, that can enslave people. Enslave people. Here's what, what Paul writes. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. A person's not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ. By the works of the law, no one is justified. And that's why Pharisee Bob looks so sad because he's always stressed when it comes to money. He's like, you know, all right, I've got to get the amount right. I've got to get the amount right. I've got to get the amount right. So that, which again, could be a form of slavery. He goes, okay, if I get this right, I get into heaven, so I'm going to triple tithe. It's going to be pre-tax just to be safe. I will tithe on Christmas and birthday presents. If I find a quarter on the ground, 2.5 cents, it's going into the offering. He's, you know, here he's thinking, okay, the Bible says you can't have two coats, okay? I'll give one away. Done. Bible says give to whoever asks. Oh, boy. Now, every time I go to the cashier and the cashier says, you want to give a dollar to our thing? I got to give a dollar to the thing. Every time I get one of those plastic bags that come in the mail that say fill this with stuff and put it out, got to fill it up, put it with stuff. Every time there's a fundraiser at school, I guess I got to be in. And just to be safe, I will not so much as pass a lemonade stand for the rest of my life because I don't want to get it wrong. Is that freedom? It's not freedom. And I know I'm exaggerating a bit here, but boy, there's some folks when they think about, okay, this is what the Bible says about giving. I've got to get this right. I've got to get this right. I've got to get this right. And they try so hard. And, and if, you're, if you're walking according to the law, it's going to take you one of two places, to pride or despair. It'll be pride if you think, I'm doing this right, which you aren't. <laughs> or it'll be despair when you realize, I can't do this right, especially for money, because whose money is it anyway? God's. How can I repay him all that he's already given me? So that's one form of slavery, the Pharisee type of slavery. Here, here's another one. Bling Bob's gospel. That's another form of slavery. Paul addresses this, Galatians 5, 13 through 14. Galatians 5, 13 through 14 says this. He's warning him. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, you're called to be what? You're called to be free. But, he says, don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful desires. You're called to be free. You're not under the law. You're called to be free. But don't use your freedom 
to indulge your sinful desires. Paul does a much deeper dive into this theme in his letter to Corinthians. This wasn't the big issue, it sounds like, for the Galatians. Corinthians it was. So in, he dives in deeper in Corinthians. So let's go to Corinthians just real quick. 1 Corinthians 6 says this. I have right to do anything, you say, but not everything's beneficial. I've got the right to do anything. I want to hunt, but I won't be mastered by anything. You see those quotes on the screens there? If you were to look at, at, at your scriptures, they're probably in there. And what, what, what's, what scholars think is happening here is that Paul's quoting them. He's quoting the Corinthians. He's saying, you guys, you, you say stuff like this. You say, I got the right to do anything. Okay. Is everything beneficial? Is every choice equally good? Or can some of these end up mastering you? He, he picks this theme up four, four chapters later. Paul says this. He, he just brings them back there again. He says, I got the right to do anything, you say. Hey, not everything's beneficial. I got the right to do anything, you say. Not everything's constructive. There's those quotes again. It's almost as if Paul is saying, hey, you, Corinthian disciples of bling bob. Is that the kind of freedom you want to walk in? Is that freedom... When you fail to, 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 to trust God's provision for your life and you say, I need more than God's giving me, I'm going to go into debt. Does debt feel like freedom? Or does debt feel like slavery? When, when you spend a lot of time in the world of media and malls, you know, all of, all of our gadgets, our gadgets, are, they're coming at us all the time, aren't they? You, here's this ad, 10% off this, 20% off. I didn't even know I need this, but I know I need it now. The new and improved one's coming out. When we spend there and our minds are constantly seeing these images, the coolest new clothes, the coolest new looks, the coolest new gadgets, when you're seeing that over and over and over again, does that set you free? Or does that make you want more and more and more and more? Even if you get the thing. When you spend your money on things that are addictive, and isn't that a big category? When you spend your money on substances that can give you a certain feeling. Let me talk in code right now with the kids in the room. When you spend money on images that can fuel up certain desires. When you spend money on entertainment that can just make hours fly by like minutes. Does that set you free? Or do you find yourself going, I need my iPad fix. You know, I need my cell phone fix. It's been three minutes since I've seen the status of people. Does it set you free? Or are you finding yourself, wait a minute. This has got power over me. And here's another thing. When it comes to money, if you always are looking for the best price possible, is that always the right thing to do? If you think of this as God's money, and there's two companies, and one company literally is keeping people in slavery in a country where they can so they can get their profits cheap or the products cheap to you. If you have a choice to spend God's money there to that company or you give God's money to a company who maybe costs a little more but they're trying to treat their employees with respect and dignity, if you have a choice between those two, do you seem like God would steer you towards one? Or if there's a company and they have a complete disregard for the environment. Hey, if we can do it, we'll do it. If we can get away with it. And there's another company and they're, they're trying hard to say, let's be responsible. Let's try to be responsible with this world. If you have a choice, do you feel like God might steer you one way or another with his money? 
Or, and we'll press into this when we do that series on work, if you've got a craftsman or an artist who in the right way is taking great pride in their work and you know they put something of themselves in this and they're trying to do the best job they possibly can and they stand behind their work and they will be there if there's a problem and and they're like that. Do you shift your money, God's money there or do you reward the company that's just like, hey, we're going to put this thing out as cheap as possible. It may or may not work. Roll the dice with us, you know. Disciples of Bling Bob say, hey, it's my money. I got the right to do whatever I want with it. They don't even ask those questions. You know, I, I wonder if it's a lordship issue then. Who's, who's lord over that money? Are you the lord over that money or are you saying, no, in God I trust, I'm trying to say, God, it's all your money. All right, let's go back to our text. Let's go back to the good news. Good news. God has secured our freedom through the death and resurrection of his son. Okay, how do we walk that out? If our freedom has been secured, how do we walk in that freedom? Well, Paul talks about this. He says in Galatians, here's a mashup, Galatians 4 and 5. Paul says, I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I want this for you. I want you to walk in that freedom. I want your mind to be on the mind of, like the mind of Christ, your heart to be in the mind of Christ. And then he says, walk by the Spirit and you won't give in to your sinful desires like Bling Bob does. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Like Pharisee, Bob. The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it's self-control. That's why you think about someone like Bling Bob, you know? If he had the mind of Christ, do you think he'd experience more freedom or less? He'd experience more if he was led by the Spirit, he'd be led away. Whoa, you don't want to go down that path. You don't want to buy that thing that you're going to become addicted to. You know, he could be saved from that path. Hey, if he opened himself more and more to the Holy Spirit, he could become more and more content. You don't need that thing. In fact, delete that app that keeps telling you of all the sales and all the new products. You're probably better off not knowing that they're there. And if, if Bling Bob listens to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he can, he can have that joy of saying, you know what? God, lead me because I want to take your money and I want to give it to companies that are, that are doing really your work in the way that they treat people around the world. So imagine if Bling Bob had the mind of Christ or if Pharisee Bob had the mind of Christ. Is he going to have more freedom or less? He's going to have more. Even though he's trying to do God's work, he's going to have more freedom because now Pharisee Bob can have peace because he doesn't have to proof text every penny. Okay, I can't go on vacation. I can't go on vacation because there's nothing really about vacation that I can find in the scriptures. Instead, he can be guided by the Spirit. Hey, Bob, you need a vacation. And it's my world and it's beautiful. Go out and enjoy it. Hey, Bob, yeah, it's okay to go out to eat and order the crab legs today and maybe even dessert, you know? To be able to have that peace where you're guided by the Spirit instead of just feeling the weight of the law. The Holy Spirit's a game changer. A game changer. I've heard dozens of stories by many of you, actually, where you felt prompted, okay, this, isn't, this is a very specific thing. I feel like I'm supposed to write a check to this person person or this organization for this specific amount. And then you find out later, 
That was exactly the amount that that person needed. That's fun when that happens, isn't it? So much fun. And that's being guided by the Spirit, not just by, um, just by more of a textbook feel to this. We're learning to have this living word at work in our lives. And last week, Josiah um, brought up some great points, so much so I wish I would have thought of it because it would have made me sound like I'm doing better than I am a lot of these things. But Josiah brought up some great points. He said, all right, imagine you're in a situation where, where you've got two big bills that come your way at once. And there's this temptation to just go, oh! But he says if you're guided by the Spirit, you're open to different possibilities here. Let's say your car breaks down. It's whose money is it? It's God's money. Is there a chance that maybe God saw a mechanic whose family needed that money? And you can go, all right, God, here we go. And then he he brought up another example. He said, you know, when something goes wrong in your house, anyone ever have anything go wrong in your house or your property? (laughs) When that happens, not if that happens, when that happens, you now all of a sudden you have someone coming into your home that normally wouldn't come in your home. And you can, it'll backfire if you try to force a conversation, but what if, as a spirit-led individual, you just said, God, here I am. Use me. Use this. It's your money. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking back to tree guys. We've gotten to know our tree guy really well. And I just was thinking, no way. He, we had this conversation that led to him actually saying, so tell me about the Bible. Tell me, what would you recommend? The guy was going to go out and buy an ESV study Bible. Did I, did I plan that? Do I ever go out and I'm going, okay, I'm going to find this guy. And I'm gonna, you know. How cool is that? We had another guy. We had something else break when my office, when our church office was in my basement. He came in to fix stuff, and here's all these theology books. He's like, what is the deal with this? You know? Why do you have a copy machine in your basement? Well, so really, it was just interesting conversations. God can use it all. So how fun is that where as a spirit-led individual, instead of legalistic or it's all my money, you're able to go, God, this is all your money. Let's have some fun. It's all yours. Let's have some fun. What would you have me do today in this moment? Oh, that's cool. Well, as we bring this to today's teaching to a close, let's look at one last passage, and then let's do Bible or whatever the, that girl said. Do the Bible. All right, here we go. Galatians 6. Here's what it says, then let's talk about doing it. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. If you sow to please your sinful desires from those sinful desires, you're going to reap destruction. Let me hit pause right there. If you say, it's my money, where does that take you if the Bible is true? Where does it take you? Where does that path lead to? It leads to destruction in one way, shape, or form. It says that. Well, there's an alternative. Whoever then, instead of that, sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. Let us not do weary and do, become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Here's five specific things you can do. I'm not saying these are five easy steps. Here are five specific things. Here's five ways you can apply this. Um, investments that you're sowing into the Spirit. All right, here we go. Number one, put your trust in God's salvation. It all starts here where it's not just money, it's all things. You just say, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. In God I trust. Okay, what you say I'll do, where you lead I'll follow. 
you, you make that decision to say, God, it's all yours. I'm all in. Every aspect of my life. That's sowing into the spirit. Number two, take that first step, specific with money, of offering God your first and your best. That first step, that tithing step. Is it pre-tax? Is it post-tax? Flip a coin. You know, if you start down this path, you're not going to be asking that question a few years from now. The question you're going to be asking is, okay, God, it's all yours. In this moment, what would you have me do with my life, with everything? It's all yours. That's the question you'll start asking. So start wherever, pretext, post-tax, I don't care. Number three, reading is hearing. When it comes to learning to hear the voice of the Spirit, I hear people say, God doesn't talk to me, God doesn't talk to me. I, I know, it, you heard Brian, years of trying to, Tweak that and discern it in community. You know, you can hear his voice right now. I will open up to a random page of God's word. Here we go. You can hear his word right now. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Oh, there you go. Someone need to hear that one, right? You, you can hear. He speaks to us. These are his words. So start reading. You get to know his character, his principles. And number four, develop rich, life-giving relationships with other Christians. Again, Brian was saying, in community is where you start to learn this. Let me try this here in this safe place. Guys, I think this might be from God. Oh, that wasn't. All right? You, know, you, you, you want to do it. I just finished a great book by Tim Keller. Uh, I'll reference it during the work series. And he was talking about these studies that they do. If you hear a message, it doesn't take root if you just hear it. It takes root when you discuss it. And then when you start to apply it and have others give you feedback, that's when something takes root. Find people who can help you apply these things. That's one of the reasons we offer, um, as often as we can, we offer a a, a financial group where you can get in. So you've got that built-in accountability. And how is this working? How do you apply this in a specific situation? A lot of times we use material from a guy named Dave Dave Ramsey. Don't agree with everything he says, but he's got some great material. I brought some more books. I brought a bunch of them last week. They all disappeared, so I brought a bunch more. Uh, if you want to get started on this, I'd encourage you to, to pick up one of these. Start talking about it. Find someone you can discuss it with. And number five, can't stress this one enough. Serve the poor. Don't just write them a check. Serve the poor. Get to know them as friends. Get to know them. I, I don't, again, I don't want to just say as people. Get to know them as friends. Every time I come back, more as my house looks so much bigger. You know? Serve them. Come alongside them. So here's, here's five specific things you can do. Making this concrete. How do we do the Bible? Here's some ways you can do the Bible. You can sow into the Spirit in your life. And as we do close now, I want to, again, stress, we are in a country where we can do this in a way that so few others can. We are in a community center right now. We're able, to, we're able to respond to God's invitation in a way that so few people around the world can. So let's seize this opportunity as we close today's service and let's, let's invite God uh, to come and work in our lives. So would you please stand as we close our service and we pray as we uh, wrap up here today. Oh, Lord, um, I pray that you help me um, to not be so apprehensive when it comes to money series, because, you know, you know all of my objections and so many of us too of where we've seen this abused so badly. But Lord, you want to bring us to freedom. So for us to duck money because we're afraid, it's foolish. So Lord, we, we pray that you'll help us to experience freedom 
in this area of our life, this important area of our life. Help us to realize that you secured our freedom on the cross, that that prison door is open. We may be so badly wounded that we need brothers and sisters. I I have a picture of a prison door unlocked. Someone in the cell has been so beaten up, so battered, so bruised. They need someone to come and help them. Lord, for those of us who need help to walk this out, Send people around us. Help us to identify. Help us to call out and say, I need help so that we can walk in freedom. For others, we've just been sitting in there by our own volition. Lord, help us to burst out today to go, this is it. No more digging a deeper hole of debt. No more paying money to people who are turning me into an addict. Lord, we pray that you help us to, to be free, whatever specifics this means for us. Help us to walk in that freedom. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit right now to reveal very specific things to every individual. What does freedom look like? And what's the next step in that direction? Lord, would you bless us with a vision of freedom? And Lord, we also come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and we pray for those who have fought for our freedom and are continuing to fight for our freedom. Lord, we pray that you help them. Father, when they're in that situation where they have to make a life and death decision, guide them. Father, when they come back and and their minds and their hearts and their spirits have been wounded by the atrocities that they've seen or the regret that they feel, Father, bring healing and hope. So we stand with our brothers and sisters and we, we pray for them too. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great three, great week.